This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into a Monday edition of Spits and Suds. It's All-Star Week. Except, although Sean and I did not get elected to attend All-Star Week, we're not taking the week off, so we're here for you today to talk hockey. It's going to be a mishmash of a show because obviously the Stars are not playing this week, but I welcome in our NHL guru of the fan. He's EP Ringsides and Shapshot, Sean Shapiro. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I will. I am going to brag here a bit. I uh, I didn't get elected, but I will be flying to Florida on Thursday for the All-Star Wow! Game, so, so I will. Uh, I will. I will scoreboard a little bit. I didn't get bury elected. the I'm headline. Not doing, any, not doing anything on the ice, but I will be at the. I will be at the All Star game. So, okay. but we're here for. We're here first. We're doing our jobs. There's no bye week, so we are. Uh, we're here to talk stars hockey. So the media isn't like like a hockey team where you don't say like. Hey, there's this guy, Gavin Spittle in Dallas that needs to come with me. You know, <laughs> he's a good locker well, room guy. <laughs> well, as we, as we, uh, the unfortunate thing is you'd have to be voted in and the stars fans, uh, and the NHL fans, uh, didn't, yeah. didn't make, didn't, didn't move the needle to get Jake Ottinger in, uh, over Connor Hellebuck. So yeah, I think, now, I, th- I, I think if, I think if Jake had gotten in, he would have let you carry his bags. I think so. Okay. So let's start there real quick. Like, Hate it for the player because he deserves it. Love Mm -hmm. it as a person who covers and follows the team because I feel as though he's been playing great still. But, I mean, I think this rest helps him because, you know, that he's carrying a big load for this team. Yeah, I think it's for Jake's position, I think, and the ideal setup it's probably great. It's probably a better thing in the long run for him not to be there for this season. But I will say just from an element of, and I was actually talking to Marty Turco earlier today about this, about because Marty went to three all-star games and um, he went to 2003, 2004 and 2007. He went to the all-star game. And one of those was, he was the young guy, his first full year starting. And he was telling me just about some great experiences, like just, in sharing a locker room with Patrick Waugh and picking his brain on some things. And he told me a story about uh, how, for example, there was a, there was a goal that he led up uh, from Al McInnes, obviously tremendous, tremendous uh, player, hell of a slap shot and everything like that. And he said, one of the things that was so difficult about reading Al McInnes' shot was he didn't really shoot where it looked like he was aiming. And Marty just said it's something that he kind of, he actually learned. He went back to the locker room and you're looking at sticks and everything like that. And uh, apparently McInnes' curve was just so slightly different where he almost hit it the way he was hitting it with how his hands were out front. It kind of changed the angle he was shooting. Um, And I'm not, and it's something where just, Hearing Marty talk about that as a guy when he was a young goalie and using it to pick brains, I think there's something where from a health standpoint, it's the best thing that Jake's not there. But from a career, cool experience, maybe you pick up something type deal, it would have been nice for Jake to be there. He would have deserved to be there. So I, I think it's kind of, you basically pick your glass full, glass half empty opinion, and both of them work in this case. Now let's talk about the one star that did make it. Heck of a season, Jason Robertson becoming elite in this league. Super excited about the future. You know, health-wise, you know, I mean, because we want a high-energy Robertson. Does going to – in your experience talking with players, you just mentioned Marty Turco. 
how will this affect Jason Robertson? That being said, you know, they've kind of changed the format now or seems like there's more fun activities than activities that would wear you down. Yeah, I mean, it's, if anything, Jason may come back better than everyone else, even just because there's a, I, I do as a goalie, I think there's a, we need to separate goalies and players in this conversation. As a goalie, you can't really dial it back. So you have to work like Connor Hellebuck, UC Soros. Um, they're going to have to try. There's no like dialing it down to 25% or 50% as a goalie, like the, uh, like a player can. And so for a goalie, I get more scared about a guy getting hurt or doing something or something dumb happening in the, in the festivities for a player. Honestly, Jason's going to go through the bye week He's going to go to the all-star. He's still going to skate a little bit he may actually be the freshest guy coming out of the break because the rest of the stars are going off to whatever vacation place they have. I know Tyler Sagan, for example, has a couple vacation has, has a vacation home. He bought two, two or three years ago that he goes to during the, during the bye week now and stuff like that. So if anything, Jason Robertson may have the more, more zip than anyone in that first game back out of the all-star break. So um, I'm not as, as concerned about Jason. I think for a player in his position, if anything, it's just going to be a leisurely skate that uh, that gets him back from the bye week travels a little bit earlier. And um, and hopefully uh, it's Jason's also kind of a weird one, too, because he's someone who. With how his game is played and everything like that, the skills competition doesn't really have an event that fits his like like there's no skills competition where it's like being smart and being in the right place all the time to score goals. There's no skills competition event for that. And three on three is kind of just a weird, a a weird amalgamation of the game when there's no sudden death element to it. So it's something where like, I'm happy Jason's there and he's being acknowledged, but it's also not the, unless he scores a ton of goals, it's not really the showcase where someone's going to come away from and be like, man, that's Jason Robertson. Like, like it's, it's, it's just kind of, it's a, it's a weird Weird mix, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I I totally get it. All right, mishmash number two, moving from the All-Star game to the trade deadline. Coming up, before we know it, it'll be here. Uh, I think we're Friday, March 3rd, is the NHL trade deadline. Value of Anton Hudobin. Is there any value there? I think there is. Um, I still think there has to be a... We're still waiting on. We're, we're still waiting on on a team to have the goalie shoe drop much worse than it has because right now, the overall state of goaltending in the NHL is not great. Just it's it's kind of it's it's a down year for goalies across the league, which is which makes what's Jake is Jake and guys like I mean Linus Olmark is ridiculous right now. It makes what some of the the best are doing. Really, really wild. But like the fact that Martin Jones is has a twenty three seven and three record, and he has an eight ninety five save percentage. Yeah, like like that's a, we're like, and you've got like Jordan Bennington has an eight ninety one save percentage and has still won more games than he's lost. You have, um, you have. I'm just pulling, looking at stats right here. You've got. Phoenix Copley has quote unquote saved, helped save the Kings. And he's got a 901 save percentage, but he's got a 15, 15, 15 and three record. Like, so I, I think the fact of the matter that what is average and what is the state of goaltending has kind of driven Hudobin's value a little bit down because it's not like Seattle's like, well, we have to get, we have to get a, we have to get a somewhat, our, there, we, we need to find a guy who's a 905, 906 guy when when that's kind of what averages and that's what they're getting with when you take away some of the real the real sloppy ones. Um, I think you need to see an injury happen or you need Dallas to be more active and sweetening the pot to get it done. Um, and, and I think that's kind of comes with and I'm willing to do it if I'm Dallas, if I'm willing, to, if, if it means just basically retaining some of that cap space and and being willing to part with that. Like, I think the ideal Hudobin deal, and I'm sorry for the double language on that. No, um, no. I think the ideal Hudobin deal, if you're Dallas is he, Hudobin is really the guy who's part of a, a pick swap for you where 
you're trading Hudobin and a fourth rounder for a second round pick. Something where you know he's a UFA, you know he's gone at the end of the year, you know you're not going to get much because there's just with the state of goaltending in the league, but you can move up, but you can get a higher, you can get a better round pick in the draft. And I think that is the ultimate way he probably gets moved. Um, the fact that Alex Nedeljkovich didn't get claimed on waivers when Detroit waived him was a pretty, uh, pretty was a pretty good sign to where the state of goalie market is for guys making more than three million and and and, and having and having so so success in the NHL. So um, make it like if any NHL, if any team, and, and it will happen. I think it will. I think. If any team has a goalie injury or assesses that, hey, we need a better backup option or a 1B, I think you could see it happen. I could, like, for example, um, I could see you look at, what's a good example? You could see a team, like, I don't think they would do it because it's in the division um, and he hasn't been too bad. But if you're Winnipeg, do you really trust trust David Riddick as the backup? I, I don't personally. Um, if you're a team like this is great. I'm just doing that. I'm just looking at stats while we're talking about That's okay. This. That's what's the great thing about a podcast. <laughs> if, if you're uh if you're Minnesota's been fine. If you're a team like if you're a team like New Jersey, I would actually be looking into it because I think between yep, New Jersey though, would be one. Sure. Yeah. Even though Schmidt has been decent in his showings, I still, you're missing the veteran that actually gets stuff done. So I, I, I think he gets moved. I, I do think it happens in the end, but I don't think it's going to be for much of a haul. I think it'll just be kind of part of a pick swap. Okay. And the modified no trade clause is gone. Mm-hmm. So yes. um, that makes things a little bit easier. All right. On to the next mishmash. When it comes to the trade deadline, what are we talking as far as costs for, I'm guessing it would be more of a premium for a second pairing blue liner than a scoring forward with an expiring contract. Let's just say both had expiring contracts. Yeah. If you're looking for what would the cost be, you think? Yeah. Um, I think with, I think this is going to be, and this is just a hunch. I'm not reporting this just to be clear for anyone who's aggregating um, <laughs> at home. This is, I think there's going to be more of a, this is going to be more of a seller's market. And I think both of those kind of start getting you into the same territory of you're looking at uh, probably a younger roster player and a prospect. Um now I don't think the Bo Horvat uh, situation. Where people keep talking about Bo Horvat is they keep I've, I've heard three players and a prospect on that. And if you, I I think if you're Dallas, if and I don't think there's the cap space, and I don't think the two teams' ownerships groups get along well enough for it to happen. But say hypothetical world, you shoot for the moon and try to go get Bo Horvat. Um, if you're Dallas and you're talking about three roster players. Um, you're looking at you're looking at having to make a decision on is it time you have to you have to make a decision on are you committed and not willing to give up on that quadrant of top prospects you have where yeah. when I'm talking about Wyatt Johnston, um, Logan Stankoven, Maverick Bork, and um, Thomas Harley. Yeah, and if I personally. Of the three forwards, I'm not, I'm not ready to give up on the three forwards. I think it's, I think to me, those are kind of, especially for a rental, those are a no touch territory. And when it comes to Harley, I'm not as sold. I would be willing to at least, and someone brings up Stankoven or Johnston um or Bork it's probably ending my conversation as a GM but yeah if they bring up Harley I'm still listening I'm okay. still talking I'm still listening if it's Harley and I'm willing to um have the conversation for that especially if if we're and if we're talking about something like a, a Horvat or something like that especially if there's a chance to 
get a conversation done and potentially sign for something. Otherwise, I don't, other, otherwise, I don't want to say, I don't want to use the Jim No line that a lot of Stars fans hate. I like where your team is at, but I think you, at some point you have also have to reflect that this team is first in the Western Conference heading into the All-Star break. This team is a good team. And sometimes, sometimes the best trades are the ones you don't make. Yes. And so I think you have to remember that too as well. So I'm okay with making the right the, the right deal if there's there. Honestly, the type of deal that I would be I I would be looking at, and it's not it's nothing against his play because I think he's been I think he's been okay. But like, if I was in the if, if there's any space where I look that there's an there's an upgrade and I don't and I don't think the market's out there, it's even it becomes the fact of as good as hasn't been bad, but I almost I don't I wouldn't trust I wouldn't trust Scott Wedgwood in a playoff game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like if you went into and so like I almost I'm almost at the point where I like Scott Wedgwood as a backup, but if if you have but if all of a sudden Jake Ottinger got hurt or really there's something like I would. I don't know if I feel great about Scott Wedgwood being my number one in the playoffs, and I don't think there's much of a goalie market out there, and I don't see the Stars making a move in that space, especially if Wedgwood signed for next year. But that's that's kind of when you start trying to play roster armchair GM yeah. and with the roster machine and everything like that. You st- you start to come back to this spot where it's like okay. I, I I'm I'm okay with this where this team is at because of what the costs are. And now, if there's a video game world where I could magically make some moves and and handle some things that people would love to do that you really can't do, awesome. But we live in reality, and I think sometimes in reality, this is and in reality, this Stars team is a good team. And going into the playoffs with this roster, I still would not. I, I would still be happy with this roster going into the playoffs. And I think that's a really important thing to remember if the stars don't do much at the deadline. And I think it's also a good thing to remember where sometimes you may be pushing and as a fan and want a deal and everything like that, but maybe the deal that you're pushing for, you don't realize is like trading for a guy like Adam Ernie or something like that. And nothing against Adam Ernie, but someone's going to overpay for Adam Ernie at the yeah. deadline because he's, because he's a veteran. Like, yeah. I don't want to be in on that deal. And kind of, I think kind of that's like uh, overpaying for yeah. Ben Sherratt. Ben Sherratt's a good player, but it was kind of exactly. overpaying for him last yeah. year. Like you don't, you don't want to do what the, like you don't want to be the opposite side of the Patrick Eves deal yeah. where that like the, like the stars made out like, like gangbusters after the Patrick Eves deal. You don't want to be on the opposite side of that. And also remember that you don't have a, you don't have a first round pick in 2023 because you traded away for Nils Lundqvist. You don't have a third round pick and you don't have a third round pick either this coming year. I would, I would, so I would be just be smart about the asset management on this. And if anything, try to be more aggressive and try and get a pick back in that Hudobin deal like we were talking about. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So let's get into Nils Lundqvist and mm-hmm. his recent absences from the Stars lineup. What's your take on it? And if there's one thing, and I'm nitpicking, I, I do worry a little bit of the Stars defensemen in their own zone, getting the puck out of the zone. We know in the playoffs, the rink gets tighter, physicality blossoms. And I do worry a little bit in those aspects. I would love to have like a veteran D-man who's, you know, kind of on the tough side, stay at home. I I know that's, those are premiums now. And, you know, at one point you could get them, but those are premiums at this point. So, you know, that's my only fear. But I wanted you to touch on, you know, Lundquist. A lot of Stars fans like him, love his potential. 
He's had some big moments, but at the same time, why do you think that he's been out of the lineup? I think DeBoer mentioned that it's more of a matchup uh, situation, uh, but at the same time, he is a smaller D-man. Yeah, I don't like the, I mean, I honestly, so he hasn't played now since, so he played against New Jersey. After that, he went a little bit, a little bit of time getting scratched quite a bit. Um, I think there's two important things to remember with Nils Lundqvist. The first one is it is not a Nils Lundqvist versus Ryan Suter debate of who's in the lineup. I think we, you and I have talked about Ryan Suter before, and there's a lot of discourse about there about Ryan Suter, but you have to remember, this is not a question about Nils Lundqvist versus Ryan Suter in the Agreed. lineup. And once you once you're able to isolate away from that, you can start having the more nuanced conversation. And to me, the nuanced conversation be, and and it's not a it's not a conversation of Nils Lundqvist versus Yanni Hockenpa either, because at the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, when you look at the Stars' defense, Hockenpa provides something, and whether and whether and whether and I'm I'm even someone who likes fast puck moving defensemen, but you need you need a couple guys like Hockenpa in the lineup that provides some of that size and are and actually provide a little bit of that mentality on the back end. Um, so it's not Lundqvist versus Hockenpa. What it comes down to, and it's what it's been, is it's Nils Lundqvist versus Joel Hanley. And this is where I think the Stars are making the mistake. I think Nils Lundqvist should play more. Uh, I think. Joel Hanley is a guy who was signed and is paid to be a seventh defenseman. And he fills that role very well, very admirably him. And uh, he's, he's one of those guys who Joel Hanley could not play for 25 games or have been playing for 45 straight games. He'll play the exact same game. That's what he'll give you. He gives you the solid 13, 15 minutes and everything like that. And that's great. And you know what, if that's what you have to use come playoff time, I'm fine with that. If that's what it means to win the playoff series and Nils Lundqvist isn't ready at that point, that's fine. But my issue is you spent the first round pick to get Nils into Dallas. You, you brought him in. I know you're worried about him playing against the Carolina hurricanes in the heavy four check. And I get it, but at some point you got to let the guy learn like this, just, it just, you're it's, it's, you gotta, you, it's not like the stars are in a spot where making the playoffs or not is dependent on playing Hanley over Lundqvist. They're still winning games. And for me, if you're not going to trust Lundqvist midseason, and you're not going to let him learn and you're not going to let him grow. I mean, he's only 22. I don't know. I don't know why you have a guy like Joel Hanley there because Joel Hanley should be a 20, 25 game season guy. And if he's playing in the playoffs, I mean, heck, Joel Hanley scored in game one of the Stanley Cup final yeah. in 2020. Like, yeah. like Joel, Joel Hanley can step into any game, but he can do the same thing if he's being scratched and he's not gonna, he's not gonna sulk. He's gonna do everything the right way. Yeah. I think, I think the stars are by, by keep playing when they play Hanley over him for extended time. I think they're making a mistake. I think you need to let Lundquist learn about the NHL. You need to do that midseason So you have the potential for a much better, um, elusive, exciting player in the postseason. And if he's not ready in the postseason, Joel Hanley will be ready. Like, I, I think this is where they're making the mistake. They need to be pl- giving Lundqvist the chance to grow on this and everything like that. He can take the scratch. I'm okay with the occasional scratch, but two, three scratches in a row, it should be, if he's going out for a game, he's coming right back in. Joel Hanley understands his role. You need to treat Nils Lundqvist like the asset you spent a first round pick on. And that, that's, that's where I come on this. And that's to me the best version of the Stars defense with current grouping aligned going into the playoffs is with with out of these seven players is Nils Lundqvist who's been allowed to learn and adjust and make some mistakes in January and February and is ready for the playoffs. Yeah. And and if he's not, okay, Joel Hanley comes in, but Nils Lundqvist should be playing more and that's my soapbox on this because you spent a first round pick on this guy. It's not like you, it's not like you went and tr- traded for the guy and, and you're like, Oh, he's just like I mean, a couple of years back. Like the stars traded for Taylor, literally traded a seventh round conditional pick for Taylor for where if Taylor for didn't play an NHL game, the trade would have been for nothing. Like this is not like that. Nils Lundqvist is an asset and he needs to be allowed to grow. I mean, well, how did Essa Lindell grow in the NHL? He's allowed to play games. How did Colin Miller? How did Ryan Suter? How did Yanni Pockenpah? How did all these guys grow in the league? They're able to play games and learn from their mistakes. And I, 
Lundquist needs to be given that chance and you're not going to have a, and you have the perfect guy in Hanley who will understand that and will be ready when needed. And I think that's something the stars are missing right now. Yeah. I think, uh, Two things to that, Sean. One, this is kind of a repeat of what happened with the New York Rangers, and the Rangers had great defensive depth. However, you know, Lundquist wanted out because of that. So I wonder if psychologically he's saying the right things. However, you know, the question is, is he saying, am I in a repeat situation? And the second part is, is I've always felt, whether it's Honka, and I know we know the issues with Honka, but even Brendan Dillon, those guys were in and out of the lineup. And at some point, you're right, you have to let them play because if I'm Lundquist, when I come back in the lineup, it's two things that are on my mind. Either I have to show them that I'm going to stick in the lineup, so I need to do something special, or, which I kind of seen with some NHL players, I'm just going to play it conservative because I don't want to make a mistake because I don't want to be back out of the lineup. And you just don't want, you almost want that free mentality, especially with a guy like Lundquist who moves the puck. Exactly. You don't want him playing scared. Yeah. You want him to play. And you don't want him, you, you want him to play his game. You want him to have the confidence where, um, like, even if, even if it was a, I'd be even okay if it was a more like, almost a scheduled scratch thing where it's like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to play you. We're going to play Joel tonight, but you're going to play the next game. And no matter what, you're going to be in the next game. Like I, I would be happy with that. Like even that I think would be a good solution because um, I go back to something Jim Nill has used before. Jim Nill has told me his job is to think about what's best for the stars today, tomorrow, next season, five years from now, what's best for the Dallas stars today tomorrow five years from now is keeping Nils Lundqvist playing and allowing him to develop because that is that's kind of the that's kind of the space I mean the only the other thing that's like if you're going to keep scratching him and I don't and I I don't think and it would definitely be a frustrating thing but if you're going to keep scratching him he is waiver exempt just honestly like if he I would rather have him playing 25 minutes down in Texas yes than sitting in the press box. Like he is waiver exempt still. I like, I think we kind of forget that. And I think that's another thing that gets kind of lost. And if, so. No, I agree with you. I, th- I think, yeah. yeah, you give, give them minutes. Like I would also, and I'm going to look this up right now while we're on here. Like, so I wonder if the, so he's, he's waiver exempt. Um, do the text he's, he's waiver exempt. The stars are, don't play. The stars are off until next Tuesday. Right. I think it is. Yeah. Um, the, okay. You're the, looking like, to see if the Texas he, stars, are. I, I'm looking, I'm looking at the Texas stars schedule. Like the Texas stars play tonight, Monday, they play Wednesday, they play Friday, they play Saturday. You could send Nils Lundquist down and you should, he's waiver exempt. Nils Lundquist should go play four games of the Texas stars this week. That should be what you do. He's waiver exempt. It doesn't hurt anyone. He plays 25 minutes. You know what? You sell some more tickets in Texas, even though they're actually doing great. They're doing a great job with sellouts down there. I was talking to someone the other day about that. Um, It's he, he should be, and and maybe who, who knows, maybe at five o'clock today, we'll, we'll see an announcement or whatever for something like that. Once this goes out exactly, but like you should be finding ways to get Nils Lundquist playing games, playing minutes, um, and use all the resources you have. And I just feel like they're not doing that with him right now. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, our final NHL news, I guess. So Anaheim forward Trevor, Trevor Zegras gets into it with Troy Stetcher last night. Um, Stetcher is, from what I've read, a very popular NHL player. The talk is that when they were getting into it, Zegris brought up Stetcher's father who passed away. Now, Craig Morton, sorry, Craig Morgan came out and said Zegris didn't say that, in fact. I don't know where he's getting that, but then Brad Marchant chirps in, shut your pie hole, Craig. So it's an interesting thing because I don't think there's any way that you can verify who said what, but as much as chirping happens in the NHL, there is a line very similar to if a player goes down in a fight, you rarely see extra punches thrown because there's a respect level there. So 
I don't know how to talk about this, Sean, other than, you know, the line as far as chirping and, you know, a young player like Zegris, whether he did it or not, one would think that he would need to quiet down at this point because that reputation is going to grow. And as good of a scorer he is, that's not going to have a happy ending. I, I think, yeah, I think from Trevor Zegers, there's there's two things I'll say on Trevor Zegers on this. Um, he's an incredibly fun, exciting player to watch. The lacrosse style move and everything like that, like it's part of his repertoire and he actually, it's actually a real offensive move. It's not just a shtick with him. It actually is a real weapon. Um, and he's the cover, he's on the cover of the NHL video game. Like he is fun and he's a good face for the league that all that being said and i don't know what he said and this is where it's you don't want to like if you he has riled some teams up before um there was a story earlier this year where he told the bruins he told the bruins bench to the bruins even steven pasternak even was on the record saying it fired us up when when Zegras skated by their bench and told them to F off and everything like that. And so I, I think there is something where Zegras play can do so much talking that he should just let his play do his talking sometimes. And I'm not saying guys shouldn't have personality. I just think there is a certain line of where you go with that. And I'm going to connect this back to um, a story on. So I was in, I was in Tampa last week and I, uh, I saw I was there where there was a very interesting follow follow through of um, you may have seen earlier this season, Jack Edwards, the broadcaster for the play by play broadcast for the Boston Bruins, um, started just making fun of Pat Maroon's weight and essentially body shaming him on the broadcast. Mm -hmm. And um, Jack Edwards then went to first game in Tampa after they went, he went to go talk to to Pat Maroon in the locker room after morning skate. I was in there at that time. And essentially, um, well, I, I give Jack Edwards credit for at least showing up face to face Pat, Pat Maroon to his credit also from the, cause this was a conversation in public. It was in the locker room, um, was very defensive of, of why would you do that? And everything like that. And one thing I was talking to another Tampa player that they brought up and they said, it's, it's one thing to there's lines that people players know the lines to cross. And when you're in the game, for example, Pat Maroon has, is used to guys calling him a fat ass, just to be honest. Like he, like it's it's not, it's not a creative chirp. Like now if you're doing it on a national broadcast and you're making fun of a guy when you have a platform, like what Jack Edwards, that's wrong. I mean, you know, in broadcasting, what he did is wrong. But when and it by comes the way, to he's a repeat in, offender. I just wanted to throw exactly, that in. Yes, exactly. I mean, we all remember the, the talking about hockey karma when Roman Pollock almost broke his neck. Yes, like that was. Yeah, I mean that's it's it's bad. Um, but where where I'm going on the there's a line, and Pat Maroon knows that if you call him a fat ass and you're and they're and they're players and they're and they're fighting or whatever. He's okay with it. That line is that's that's not the line for him. That's okay. There's but there is a line of when it comes to realizing that there's so much of a shield and an anger and a veneer and everything like that that can come up when the when the games goes on and guys can go with uh, well I'm gonna hate you for sixty minutes but we can get a beer afterwards or even if we fight we can we can we can tap we can we can we can hug it out after the game as opponents and stuff like that. There are certain lines that as human beings where you got to still remember there's humans on both sides of this. Yeah. And I don't not knowing what Trevor Zegers said and knowing Troy Stetcher's reputation and everything like that. Zegers crossed the line of that's not how you treat another person, even if you're playing a hockey game. And that's no matter what was said, there's that's that's the issue for me. And that's something where the fact Zegras also got a misconduct from the officials on, on the play also tells me that there's some credence to he crossed that line. And I just hope 
I, I want Trevor Zegers to be a good guy. Just and this is going to sound silly because I want more people to, I want more people to love and watch this game. I don't want the guy who had the most viewed video clip of hockey in years, the behind the net flip yeah. to, uh, to Sonny Milano for the, for the, for the goal. Like I don't want the guy who had one of the most viewed hockey clips in years to be a poster child for, well, he doesn't treat people right. Like I, I just, I really hope that whatever it is, is something that Trevor Zegers either learns from or apologizes for, or admits he made a mistake on just because like we we hear too many stories in this sport about people who don't treat people the treat people the right way, and there's lots that do treat people the right way. But just like I, I just don't want the I don't want one of the guys who's literally become a poster child for the league. He's on the cover of the video game to be treating people this way. And so I hope that whatever it is and everything like that, I like I I I I, I just I hope for from a hockey perspective that there can be some amends or an apology or whatever that uh, and some learning from this, because I want to like Trevor Zegers as part of promoting this sport in the future. Just, it's just to be honest. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, and unfortunately that's what we're talking about going into the all-star game rather than yeah. the skills of Trevor Zegers and what he did at last year's all-star game where he brought the house down um, in the skills competition. Yep. So uh, I agree. Um, yeah. And I'm interested to see if a veteran maybe doesn't take him aside and try to get through to him like, hey, regardless if you said it or not, you just got to quiet down because now, you know, now people are looking at you and you got to earn their respect and earn it on the ice. So it'll be interesting to see that. Uh, but moving on from that, um, I do uh, one, yeah. one thing on that. I do, I do wonder, and this is not against anyone on that Ducks team, yeah. Because, but I do wonder if that happens. If, uh, if um, why am I drawing? A, if uh, Ryan Getzlaff is still playing, and I know as much as people like think Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry were these pests and everything like that, but they're incredibly well respected. Yep. Absolutely, and, Kessler and, too. And, and and while they were, they towed that line well. And as much as it's easy to dislike a guy like Corey Perry or whatever, and for what he's done sometimes, and he has gone over the line, um, a guy like Getzlaff was. I, I don't think I, I don't think that happens with Getzlaff as still still playing and as the captain there. So yeah. I, that's just a random observation. No, you're thought. right. I kind of think actually in the last three or four years, Corey Perry's like kind of. Um, brought himself some uh, better vibes as far as how people look at him. Like yeah. I, I like, I think people genuinely want Corey Perry to get another Stanley cup. And I don't know I don't if know. that was always <laughs> the case. I mean, maybe that's just, I don't know. Maybe it's cause he played for the stars. And yeah. I remember when he was signed, people were like, Oh yeah. my goodness. But how valuable yeah. he became. But I mean, you know, granted he's older and stuff, but he's certainly calmed down. Yeah, he has. I think the one thing, I think the reason no one's going to root for Corey Perry right now is because the fact of the matter is I think people have had enough of Tampa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, a, you're, you're absolutely right. And on that note, Sean was down in Tampa and um, covering uh, Tampa Bruins for EP ringside. And you mm-hmm. had a chance to catch up with our old friend, Jim Montgomery. Tell us about that. Yeah. Uh, first time I've seen Jim Montgomery in person since... Uh, since he got the Bruins job, I've seen him in person since he left Dallas. I actually ran into him last year of all places in LA, the Kings and the, I was in LA and the Kings and the blues were playing. And I caught up with him briefly, um, just kind of in an off the record. How have you been conversation last year and uh, saw him in Tampa this, this past week. And it's good to see from a, from a personal perspective, it's good to see Jim Montgomery have his life back together. Um, He was he was always a very kind person to me. He was always a person who treated me with respect. Um, he's even admitted himself. He didn't treat himself with much respect, which is kind of what happened, how he lost his job in Dallas. Um, but the question I have about Jim Montgomery, the, and this is, I want to be clear, this is about Jim Montgomery, the coach, not Jim Montgomery, the person, um, is I don't know, and maybe we're about to learn it. And, and I wrote about this for EP Rinkside is, I don't know how Jim Montgomery's changed as a coach, just because when when you have 
he went to St. Louis where it was a perfect landing spot for a guy coming off a scandal for lack of a better word. Um, in St. Louis, Doug Armstrong doesn't allow his assistant coaches to talk to the media. And so he was really anonymous. Like he was able to just kind of figure out life and without having anyone ever talk to him um, from a public space. And then he went to Boston and with how good Boston was to start the season and continues to be, uh, he's kind of molded into a little bit of the backstory of just, it's, it's a good story and nothing to take away. Like it takes, it takes talent to coach really good talent, but at the end of the day, it's not, it's, it's a tremendous Boston Bruins team. It's like you and I talked about when you talk about coach of the year conversation about a week or week and a half ago or whatever we did it, we talked about how we were more impressed with the job Rick bonus has done in Winnipeg mm-hmm. than the job that Jim Montgomery's done in Boston. And so I don't know what type of coach Jim Montgomery is, now, I don't know how he's changed since his time in Dallas. I don't know how he adjusts when his team is struggling. I don't know if he's able to take the highs and the lows the right way. We saw in Dallas, he would, he said, I, at one point he said he wasn't, he was frustrated. He hadn't been able to fix the culture of mediocrity. When the Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn incident with Jim Lights happened, he was, he was part of the group that co-signed that message. Um, now Boston's lost three games in a row for the first time. So maybe it's the first time we see Jim Montgomery deal with real adversity in this job, but I don't know how he's dealing with adversity. And so I was curious to ask him directly of how he's different as a coach. And he gave an interesting answer of how when he got humbled by losing his job in the way he did and, and how he looks at people, it really took away a lot of his ego. It took away, he, he, he felt like, and it was kind of, it, he always felt like he was a good communicator, but now he's more appreciative of what other things other people might be going through. And I think that's something that was maybe missing in his time in Dallas. And not that it was ever really, it's not really ever that it came out in, in big ways, but I think there's certain times where his time in Dallas, he probably could have shown more empathy to some other people. Um, and he would even admit that. And I, uh, and he, he said he, he kind of, what happened to him has kind of helped him evolve in that way um from a coaching perspective i think the human management is huge in the nhl i think so often i i really think that's a bigger thing in most cases than schematically sometimes Um, obviously schematics and 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 approaches they're important but to me I, i i think allowing your talent to be its best talent comes down to a lot of the ways how you manage your talent in the locker room and I talked to Taylor Hall a little bit about how uh, Montgomery managed. Okay, we're going to move you from the left to the right side, and you're normally a left winger, and you haven't played on the right before. And and I talked to Taylor Hall a little bit about how he and Montgomery handled that. And Hall came up with a. Hall told me there was a. He really appreciated the way that when Jim Montgomery calls you into his office, it's not. Um, it's not like you're worried something bad is going to happen because he does it all the time where it's just, uh, Hey, how you doing? And just keeping up with the players and all that stuff. And that's what he's been. And that's one of the reasons he is part of Boston success. And I feel more confident saying that now after talking to some people in that room and seeing it firsthand, but I still would love to see what happens where say the Bruins go on a five game skid. How does he handle the low? I still don't know the answer to that, but I, I said, and that was kind of the point of my piece of, He's grown as a person. He has grown as a coach, but we really don't know. We really won't know fully until they get pressed or they're going to go to the first round of the playoffs. And Gavin, do you know what happened at the top to the two teams that had the prior NHL record for most wins in the regular season? Bounced. Bounced in the first round. Was it so, uh, Tampa? Sorry, not the first round. Tampa was the first round, but then did, the did other one. Columbus, Washington? It was the Detroit night, the 95, 96 oh, Detroit okay. Red the 95, 96 Detroit Red Wings were the greatest regular season team of all time. Okay. Got, got bounced. Um, and so the Bruins are going to have 60 something wins may set the NHL all time record for regular season wins. Jim Montgomery and the Bruins are going to get so many questions. It's going to be one it's, the microscope's going to be, you haven't been tested all year. What ha- we saw it happen to Detroit. We saw it happen to Tampa. How do you avoid that curse? How do you avoid what happened to them? Like the adversity is going to show up because the best team in the league by this far of a margin hasn't gotten the job done before. 
And we're going to learn a lot about Jim Montgomery come playoff time, especially for a guy who even admitted that um, in one of his few public interviews when he was in St. Louis, that um, he was kind of put on his coaching heels in that second round series against da- against St. Louis in, 29- in uh, 2019. If the season ended today, Boston's first round matchup would be the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's uh Crosby, Malkin. I mean, you you, you talk about <laughs> there's there's no bad teams in the East no, right I now. Know, I know. Honestly, really like like you there try really to be like, like like at least in the West. Um, yeah, like I mean, there least, are some like, teams. Like, yeah, like yeah. at least at least in the West. Like I know it would suck to get Colorado in the first round. Yeah, it would absolutely it would it would suck to get Colorado in the first round. But I actually think Colorado will probably end up above Minnesota. Right. Uh, by the end of the season. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's, I I could happily pick some opponents that I would want to play out of the West. Yeah. And when you look across the East, you're like, oh, I wouldn't want them. I wouldn't want them. Yeah. No, like in the East, there's really the only team that you would look at and you'd be like, ah, you know what? I would pick them to play out of the East. And it's not a, and it's not something against their season. It's just because of their streakiness would be New Jersey, just because New Jersey has had stretches where they just drop. They just don't show up for four or five games in a row. Now they've, they, they're, then they'll go on absolute heaters. Like they've, they're eight, one and one in their last 10 games, but you could get New Jersey at that time where it's like, yeah, this is the time New Jersey's not going to show up, but anyone else in the East, you're like, I don't want to pick them. Why would I pick Toronto? Why would I pick Tampa? Like, like it's just, yeah. it's, 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 it's a, it's a loaded. And maybe at the end of the day, being this far ahead actually becomes an advantage for Boston where you get to work on that load management down the stretch. You get to, you don't have to fight and claw to get in, to try to clinch home ice or anything like that, like all these other teams. And maybe you go into round one a little bit healthier, who knows, yeah. but it's, 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 it's a bit down down the road and everything like that. Obviously, All Star Game will be nice and cheery and everything like that. But it's uh, it will be interesting to see what the what the Bruins do with the history of what's happened to teams that have won sixty plus games. By the way, uh, going full circle, we kind of began this podcast talking about a potential landing spot for Anton Hudobin. What about the Carolina Hurricanes? Mm. Played in Carolina. I, Frederick yeah, Anderson I, I just, I, just coming off an injury. No, but the, but they've just invested in uh, Peter Kochetov. I got to make sure I pronounce that one right. But they've just invested in Peter Kochetov. They have Antti Ranta. I mean, they already have three okay. goalies. Like, I, I, I think it's, um, yeah, I, I, no, I, I don't, I don't think that's a fit. Um, I do look at a team just randomly circling around again. And I, I don't think they would, I don't think they would do it, honestly, because it would be, but it's with, with where things have gone with our, like, with where things have gone with old Dallas beloved star, Jack Campbell, like it, it won't happen because of what Jack Campbell's contract uh, is. Yeah. Edmonton. But like, but like in Edmonton, if Stuart Skinner, like, I don't trust the goaltending situation in like if if you're Edmonton, do you take a flyer on bringing in the third guy like that just to, you know, how sometimes like a team will like, you know, this, the fans, the Cowboy home of the Cowboys, right? I'm, I'm giving that plug the right way. Right. It's like how you bring in, it's like how the Cowboys brought in a kicker before the, before the, before this, before the second playoff game to basically make sure that, uh, make sure that someone felt a little fire in their belly to actually nail their kicks. I mean, so no, you, maybe yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, you, you're, you're absolutely. And, and you know what, by the way, um, what happened the other night with Edmonton? Just a class move. Um, emergency yes, goaltender. Yeah. Thought he was going to be sitting in the stands. Gets the call. Has to run because they're putting you in as the backup goaltender. And mm-hmm. they're playing the Chicago Blackhawks. And Edmonton, with the game in control, puts him in the game. He makes one stop. No matter what happens for the rest of his career, he played yeah. for the Edmonton Oilers. You could tell your kids about that. You could tell your grandkids. I just thought it was a really classy move. Yeah, it's. Uh, it reminded me of, and I want to get the name of it, of his name. Um, 
it reminded me of this was in 2017 um the the hurricanes used to use there before the full e-bug before the e-bug was uniform across the league in many cases the hurricanes e-bug was their equipment manager a guy named Hor- uh, georgie alves and in 2017 they uh there were three with they put him in the they put him in the game. They, they they actually lost three to one, but they were they put him in the game for the final seven seconds of the game. And it's something where I know it's only eight seconds, but you talk about a guy who is um you talk about just giving giving someone that opportunity and and even with uh and for Matthew Berlin, who played the 226 for Edmonton, yeah, he's an NHL. He's an NHL goalie. He's he's for the rest of his life now. He's an NHL goalie. Absolutely, like, said he. That's so. Was that's so cool. Super nervous. Uh, didn't want to face a shot. Um, <laughs> faced a shot, saved it, and then put put his glove up to hear the crowd reaction. I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, sports has an entertainment feel about it, and yeah. I just think that goes a long way into the room. Um, as far as the guys having fun. So I thought that was a really classy uh, job. In fact, when he thought they were playing a prank on him and they mm-hmm. said, do I look like I'm doing a prank on you? When I say something, you're going in. So I just, yeah. I, I love the stories and, yeah. you know, that's wonderful. Well, this was a wonderful yeah. mishmash, sir. I mean, it was, you know, I it mean, was. I enjoy talking hockey with you. I found out that you're covering the All Star break. I'm stuck here in the freezing rain of Dallas. You're going to Florida. So, I mean, you know, one of us is clearly excelling on this podcast while, <laughs> uh, you know, the other is just a, just a hockey guy, you know, just sitting back. And uh, Ludwig would even say, I'm not a hockey guy. So, <laughs> and I'll, I'll leave it at that. Sean Shapiro, EP Ringside. Go to EP Ringside and. You'll read him with his uh, sit-down with Jim Montgomery. This is the kind of stuff you're getting on the podcast. Also, Shap Shots, and you can follow him on Twitter at Sean Shapiro. He brings great stuff, so follow him all weekend with the NHL All-Star Weekend. And please, spread the word. I know with um, some sites shutting down, there are limited places now where you can get your Stars coverage. Well, one of the places is is here. We talked about the trade deadline today. We talked about Anton Hudobin. We talked about some of the prospects. We're trying to give you the information so you can become as smart of a Dallas Stars fan as is possible. But to do that, you need to like, you need to subscribe, you need to spread the word that there's a Dallas Stars podcast out there called Spits and Suds. So with that, I say be safe on the roadways, everyone, and have a great day.